Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Hope you're all doing well to see him. Um, unfortunately, Liam is moving house. Uh, he'd rather move house than do a podcast with me at the moment, which we can let him off for. Um, but stepping in, we have a uh, an incredible guest. So I'm joined by Tom Strachan, as uh, as many of you will know him. He is at NFL underscore T Strack. So he is uh, creator of nflbestball.co.uk. He is an NFL writer over at Fantasy Football Outsiders. Um, he's also a featured writer for Fantasy Pros. He is the best ball and stack king. Tom, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, good, Rich. Uh, always a pleasure to jump on here with you. Really a big fan of the show, so it's always a good time to chat things football with you. Yeah, it's, it's, it feels like an important week. I don't know about you, but I've, I feel like I've been able to cut like half my leagues and sort of say, right, I don't need to worry about you for this week, whether it be bye weeks or um, not not made the playoffs or some of them. And I feel like my Sunday's going to be slightly less stressful. Yeah, definitely. There was a, a small part of me that definitely looked through some leagues today where there was a couple which I'd really hoped to make the playoffs and didn't quite. And it's just like, oh, well, see you later. And then... There's also that kind of feeling of just going, you know, this is what we've been waiting for in so many ways. But also we don't even have till Sunday to wait because we've got three games on Saturday. So all the usual routines out the window. It's the best it's the best time of the year, I always think, when it's it's no longer just, you know, Thursday, Sunday, Monday. Now I get Saturday games. It's uh, yeah, it makes life much, much happier. Um 
But enough enough talking about that, Tom. We will dive into this week's highest scorers. So um, over at the, the quarterback position, um, we had a, a fairly you know impressive breakout week. I think this is three out of four good weeks now for Trevor Lawrence. Scored thirty three point four fancy points. Um, look, I'm 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 a big Trevor Lawrence fan, Tom. Do you think this is him truly establishing himself as an elite option, both? as an NFL quarterback fantasy moving forward? I do think so, yeah, because, I mean, you just have to throw last year out the window. It was such a bad situation. The team around him wasn't ideal. But this year, you know, he's got more competent coaching. He's got more weapons to throw to. Since the bye week, he's been the QB2 in fantasy. He's been a top 12 QB in four of his last five games. But it's also the little things, like he's not throwing interceptions. He hasn't thrown an interception in his last three games. His completion percentage over, I think, like the last four games is 71.8%, which leads the league. So he's doing all the little things and all the big things. So I'm very impressed by him. And I think, you know, people kind of got a little too down on him over the summer because of how bad last year was and threw out all the evidence we'd seen of him in college. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you, you hit on it perfectly there. You said kind of throw last year out and... You know, if you treated this year almost as his rookie year, there were some, you know, some things he had to work through at the beginning of the year. But this this last stretch, and you know, you said four out of the last five games, it's been really impressive. And I think that whilst perhaps the fancy production has been good, you know, we've not seen that Justin Fields level breakout. For me, it's it's the NFL level throws that he's able to make. And I think that I I know that he is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, you know, heaven forbid injuries, but for the next like 10, 15 years. And there's not many yeah, guys think, that you can say are going to be starters for the next three years, let alone, you know, 10, 15. Yeah. And just going back to your point there about the level of throws he's making, the game against the Ravens, that fourth quarter was incredible. Some of the throws he was making just play after play against a defense that has played really well at times over the last few games. He looked incredible. Yeah, and and th- there's more to come. I think they're going to add options to this offense. You know, we talk about yes, they spent a load of money in the off season. It's like Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, and they're paying him like number ones and number twos. But actually, if Christian Kirk's your, your number two or your number three, and Zay Jones is your number three, number four, you feel a lot happier. And don't forget, they've potentially got Calvin Ridley coming back um, next season. I expect them to add another person, whether that's be probably in the draft rather than free agency. I'm not sure they're going to have much cap space to go and spend. And I think that this offense is going to take another step forward next year. And I kind of feel like we're approaching that point where this is the last time you're ever going to be able to acquire Trevor Lawrence for the next like five or six years, because I think he's going to establish himself as that, you know, probably not the elite tier, but certainly in that second tier of quarterbacks with the, you know, Kyler's, Joe Burrows, Justin Herbert's, that, that kind of level. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, in terms of feeling like you're buying high on Lawrence, I don't think that's the case right now. I think you're buying a, a good value and it's only going to increase, like you say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then to round out the, the quarterback position, we had uh, yet, yet another incredible week from Jalen Hurts with 30.4 points. Uh, and then Russell Wilson, a, a mini breakout, seems, I don't know about you, but showed some signs of life with a 26.6 uh, point performance. Do you think 
this is him finally establishing himself in Denver and, and maybe a glimpse of some hope for next year? I think so. And I think it's been, there's been glimmers of hope for the last three weeks now. I think like going back the first 10 weeks of the season, his completions over expected were minus 3.7. But since then, it's been 6.4. So, you know, he's making more throws than he was in that period. And the offense does seem like it's been moving, but they just seem to be tremendously unlucky at the same time. I mean, you consider they lost Javante Williams, Cortland Sutton's had various injuries, KJ Hamler's had injuries, Tim Patrick's had injuries. And even though Russ has been terrible and Nathaniel Hackett's been a big part of everything that's bad, it's worth noting that there are signs of life and we have to kind of spin forward and think about how this offense is going to look next year and what are the things that we can hold on to. And I think right now there's enough that in the one league where I've got Russell Wilson, I'm not selling him low. I feel like there's enough hope that he can turn things around next year with a new head coach, offensive coordinator. I think there's there's definitely signs of life, and I think we said on last week's pod that you know he's he's not going anywhere till like 2025 or 2026 at the earliest. Like the contract is ridiculous. The concern for me is while Sunday was better, and I think there's definitely some signs of life. You just look at the numbers. He had an average depth of target four and a half yards on Sunday. Okay, his average time to throw was three point two seconds. Like those two things shouldn't shouldn't work. You shouldn't be holding the ball for over three seconds, and your average depth of target only be four yards downfield. Like that that shouldn't compute. And yeah, I I think that that Nathaniel Hackett's probably gone at the end of the season. I think they're probably going to bring in a hopefully a, a Russell Wilson friendly offensive coordinator if if there's such a thing. Um, but I I do think there's some glimpses that hopefully he can be a QB2 for fantasy over the next couple of years. Yeah, and that's it. Like, I'm not getting carried away and thinking that we're going to see those sort of top 10 performances regularly again, but he's not. I think his value is so low right now that he's not somebody I want to trade because I think it will climb back up. And even if I move on from him at some point during next season, it'll I'll get a better return than I will right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so coming in with a Truly remarkable uh, performance. Maybe one of the most interesting throws, shall we say, uh, in terms of receptions that I saw. Uh, so Jeremy McKinnon scored 32.4 points. Um, obviously, uh, you know, a breakaway touchdown, the, the slightly weird throw from uh, from Patrick Mahomes, where it's sort of a, what we're calling it, a pitch, a shovel pass, um, rather than a normal throw. What, what do you make of Jeremy McKinnon? Is this just a blip week? Is this something we can potentially buy into for the fantasy playoffs? I think so and I think if we look back at last year we saw the Chiefs really started to lean on him at this time of the season and he came up really good for them apparently according to beat reporters around Kansas City they're saying that he's the most trusted running back on that team and even though Isaiah Pacheco has been great over the last few weeks averaging like 15 PPR points you can see that they're not ready to just hand over the reins completely to Pacheco. And that's why we've seen McKinnon's snap share keep growing because they want to know that they can rely on him. So I think he's somebody who you can probably buy quite cheap because he's 30 years old and, you, you know, what we like as dynasty players when it comes to running backs. But I do think he'll have some good production over the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, he's, let's be honest, he's, he's not going to cost you much, is he? What are we probably talking, like a third? I, I reckon the person that's got McKinnon, if they're not a contender, is probably happy just to get anything for him. Um, 
And I think that he's he's maybe a little bit game script dependent. You know, if the Chiefs are going to be in a game there, potentially what I thought was going to happen on Sunday, where they get up early and they just then you know run run the time out the the rest of the game, McKinnon's probably not going to get much usage. I think it is going to be a you know a Pacheco is going to be more of that early down work, and McKinnon's going to get more of the passing game usage, but. Yeah, if, you, if you're in some decent depth leagues, you know, if you're starting sort of 10, 10 guys plus and that sort of option, then yeah, why, why not go and throw a, you know, potentially a third round pick and get a guy that we've seen as, you know, has got a decent role um, and, and I think is going to have a role over, over the next few weeks, certainly. And then rounding out the uh, the running back positions, we've got Christian McCaffrey came in with 29.3 points and then Miles Sanders at 28.5. Over at the wide receiver position, so Justin Jefferson led the way with another incredible week, 33.3 points. Jerry Judy equal first, 33.3. Obviously, we we touched on Russell Wilson early. It felt like Jerry Judy was the guy that would, would kind of tempt and tease but never quite deliver. Do you think that we we can bank on Jerry Judy moving forward, Tom? Or do you think this is a, a glimpse and uh, he's going to disappear again? I think in games without call and certain, I think we can. But and it, it kind of we've not really had a lot of clarity on how bad Sutton's hamstring injury is. But he's one of those players, Judy, that this looked obvious, this one, against a team where they were going to be in playing from behind script heavily for the whole time that he could see good volume. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's got games coming up against the Cardinals and the Rams. The Rams rank 31st in DVOA against wide receiver ones. So that would definitely be a matchup. I'd be happy to play in him. Um, the Cardinals have been better against wide receivers lately. So I think you just have to play the matchups. You have to consider, is it Brett Rippian at quarterback or is it Russell Wilson? And who else is on the field? Because when there is a lot of, you know, when they have more of their options, including Greg Dulcich and Colin Sutton, Judy's weeks, they've kind of been more of those better and best ball weeks when they've been for managed leagues. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting you're saying about kind of Sutton being out, and obviously you'd expect a larger target share. He didn't see a massive volume. It was only nine targets. It was 20% target share. Like, that's, that's not a mind-blowing number for what is an offense that, you know, didn't have many other options with, you know, no Sutton, no Hamler, no Patrick. It, it it was limited options. So for him to kind of produce what he did, obviously it was buoyed massively by the touchdowns. It, it's it's a hope. I just don't think moving forward you can ever expect Judy to be a, you know, a reliable, like, top 24 wide receiver. I think from a dynasty perspective, those people that are hoping of that, I think those are, those are long gone. I think he's, you know, if he's your wide receiver four or a flex play week in week out you're probably okay but if you're expecting him to be you know on a contending team that's going to carry you as a wide receiver too I think you're going to be painfully disappointed unfortunately yeah and I'd imagine that he you know there's a good chance that he leaves Denver this offseason as it is so is he going to end up in a better situation possibly but he could also end up being the wide receiver three somewhere yeah, absolutely, and I've, I've just seen as well. There was obviously the should we call it the shove of the uh, official. So they've just said they've just said that he's not going to get suspended. Um, so yeah, he's going to be fined, but not suspended. Just had a look at his contract, Tom. So he's actually under contract potentially uh, until well, he's under contract until the end of twenty twenty four. 
um, but has got the fifth year option, so could potentially be there till 2025. But there were obviously plenty of trade rumours around him at the, the trade deadline, so that could be a guy that gets moved in the off-season, potentially. So, moving uh, the final wide receiver, Jamar Chase had uh, another fantastic week as, as basically the only healthy wide receiver in uh, in Cincinnati at uh, 28.5 points. Over at the tight end position, maybe one of the most ridiculous weeks I think we've seen. Uh, Evan Ingram, t- 39.2 weeks, Tom. What, what did you make of that? I mean, this was... This is one of those things, those performances that's going to be remembered for years by people who played him. I mean, you talk about things like Alvin Kamara's five, six touchdown day, whatever it was a few years ago on Christmas Day. This is one where, you know, it propelled teams into the playoffs. The guy who won the regular season one million prize on underdog won it on the back of an Evan Ingram stack. It's like... This was absurd. Before this game, Ingram was averaging 7.9 points. He'd had one game over 14 points all year. And like he'd only had two games over five catches all year, and he just explodes out of nowhere. So anyone who had him is going to be feeling incredibly grateful. I mean, he went from being the tight end 15, I think it was, in total scoring, to the tight end four after that one performance. So <laughs> it's- it shows you. Shows you how much of a joke the tight end of position, isn't it? That a guy can end up as the wide uh, tight end four after essentially one really good week. Exactly that, and it's very much. There's nothing that you can count on from this going forward. It's like as much as you can count on is that Evan Ingram is the tight end one in Jacksonville to be relied upon. But in most weeks, if he doesn't get you a touchdown, he's probably not going to do an awful lot for you. Yeah, he's in that you know, second, third class, however you want to rank it, of tight end, where it's basically the elite two, the, the you know, the Dalton Schultz, TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard's here, and then basically everybody else. And yeah, I don't really, don't really care about any of those other guys, quite frankly. Yeah, and I think it's one of those where we can kind of say, you know, we can make a case for buying him at a price because he's going to be attached to Trevor Lawrence and we want pieces connected to Trevor Lawrence, as we mentioned before, but now's not the time, not after that game. I mean, now's the time to be selling him if you're not, you know, well, I'd, I'd be selling him whether I'm a contender or not. Yeah. I mean, he, so he had 15 targets on Sunday, which for a tight end is absolutely insane, but, the stat that blew my mind even more was he saw a target on 42% of his route run, which is just, I mean, that's like 30% targets per route is a high number. You know, that's where you're talking like Cooper Cup, CD Lamb, like DeAndre Hopkins. To be at 42% of targets per route run is just insane. I can't, I can't, there's, I don't have words to describe how unbelievable that number is. I think when you see something like that, it's just incredibly frustrating that we've got something like this going on. And then we had somebody like, you know, he had 11 catches this weekend. And you compare that with an elite tight end like Kyle Pitts in Atlanta, who over his last four healthy games had 12 receptions total. So it's it's frustrating. But yeah, this is the game. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, to round out the tight end position, so uh, so yeah, Dave, David Njoku had 18.7 points, uh, and then Chig Okonkwo had 18.5. Now, I know you, you talked a little bit about Okonkwo on Twitter last week, Tom. 
Um, it, it seems like he's putting together a couple of competent weeks here. Um, obviously, you know, any any uh, fancy relevancy from a rookie fourth round tight end is is noteworthy. Do you think that it's potentially something we could be buying in on longer term? Yeah, it seemed like originally a Conquo was only going onto the field during certain packages, but over the last couple of weeks he seems to be playing more. It doesn't seem to be just in certain sort of like packages that we're using. He's playing a lot more often. Uh, and he's averaged like 5.3 targets over his last three games, averaged almost 50 receiving yards a game. So he feels like that kind of production is going to be sticky because the Titans have nobody. I mean, Nick Westbrook-Akine, they've got Bobby Trees, who still looks like his ACLs never really got him back all the way. And, you know, Austin Hooper definitely isn't, you know, making the job his. So I'm kind of fine with it. I think, you know, looking ahead to this week, he plays the Chargers, who ranked 24th against tight ends in DVOA. So I'd definitely be rolling him out again this week. Yeah, I think he's... He's certainly one to monitor moving forward. I don't think I'd be getting too excited in terms of his value just yet. He's, I think, I've got him. He's my tight end twenty-five in terms of dynasty rank. So I'm not, I'm not entering that you know reliable start plug and play tight end yet. He's still only running fifty percent of routes on Sunday. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think definitely one to monitor. Exciting that he's shown some flashes, but. Let's 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 not get too carried away too quickly on it. Um, so, gonna uh, gonna dive across to some significant news, and uh, and there's sadly quite quite a lot of quarterback uh, news this week. So, Russell Wilson, Tyler Huntley, and Kenny Pickett all suffered concussions on Sunday. Uh, average return time is about nine to ten days for a concussion. So, I think we're kind of expecting those three teams to, to basically not have them on Sunday. Is that, is that what yeah, you're expecting? Some, I think Kenny Pickett wasn't at practice today for the Steelers, but Tyler Huntley was, and that's normally kind of a good indication that they should be trending right. After the game on Sunday, John Harbour and a couple of others uh, connected to the Ravens all seemed very confident that Tyler Huntley was going to be fine for this week. So I don't know whether it's a case that he wasn't properly concussed, but he was just placed in the protocol. Okay, all right. That's uh, yeah. But cer- certainly one to monitor. Um, hopefully, if you're in the playoffs, you're not relying too much on uh, any of those three to be starting because they've they've not been doing it for you recently. Um, DJ Moore and a knee and ankle injury. Uh, apparently, the MRI was okay. A few reports I've read from some of those kind of Twitter doctors are suggesting that it was a similar. Um, motion to, to the Debo Samuel injury, so could potentially be a high ankle sprain. Any any thoughts, Tom? Just that DJ Moore is never going to catch more than four touchdowns in a season. I think this is the fourth consecutive one where he's been stuck on that number. Yeah, it's it's it felt last before this week that it was finally right. Sam Donald's back. DJ Moore's going to, you know, finally produce um, what we'd hoped and. Yes, does, doesn't look like it's going to happen again, does it? Um, so T Higgins is still suffering with that hamstring injury. I, I, I certainly know he cost me in a, in a couple of places where he was active uh, and then didn't play. I, apparently, I don't know how true this is, apparently the coaches told him that he wasn't going to play um, and he ran on the field for the first snap of the game um, and before they realised and pulled him off. So... 
it's it's yeah. a really weird situation because if the coaches were thinking that, then surely he would have been inactive for the day. Or this is what I thought. I mean, but they never. And if this was a coaching decision, they never ruled him out during the game. The whole game, it was just there was no status put about him. It was just he was just stood there on the sideline with his helmet on. And I know that this upset an awful lot of people, and there was a lot of people accusing the Bengals of subterfuge and stuff. But it's like you know, we just kind of have to accept sometimes that as much as we feel like we've got the whole picture and we're making the best decisions we can, it's out of our hands. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that look, hamstring injuries are always like this, aren't they? It's, yeah. You, you, you never want to, you, you're never fully 100% and you don't want to rush it back. And, you know, if he felt a bit of tightness and they were like, you know, maybe he wanted to keep playing and they just said, no, you, you're kind of done as such. So, yeah, one, one to monitor. Um, obviously, depending on how much he practices is probably going to impact what, what happens to him over the, the next week or so. Um, Damien Pierce left the game with an ankle injury. Um, I haven't seen any reports or anything information about that. I don't know if he's uh, if he's likely to play so far this week. Tom, have you seen anything? Um, the only thing I saw was today that they, or was it maybe yesterday, that they waived Dino Benjamin, who's had a real roller coaster of a year, and that basically leaves them with Rex Burkhead on the roster, unless there's somebody I'm forgetting. And I can't imagine that they would have waived Benjamin unless there's some kind of discipline was- issue. Otherwise. Yeah, so yeah, so maybe that's hinting that uh, that Pierce is okay. Um, back back to the Bengals receiver room. So Tyler Boyd dislocated a finger on Sunday. Um, never a good one for receivers. Could be that depending on I don't know what finger it is, but it could potentially be strapped up and played. But I'd imagine that's probably a, a couple of weeks out. And then the 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 big one that I'll be honest, I I forgot to include. So Tom came to the rescue. Kyler Murray, obviously. ACL injury, it's been confirmed today that it is a, a full tear of the ACL. Absolutely brutal. I know there's a few of my playoff teams that I was uh, relying on him. What do you think about his kind of dynasty value moving forward, Tom? I think it's it's precarious, to say the least. I think, you know, you look at the situation in Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury could be on the way out. Apparently, Michael Bidwell's not worried about the size of a contract if it comes down to moving on from Kingsbury. And if you move on from Kingsbury, then this is going to be the first time that Kyler's had a different play call, a scheme, all those kind of things. I was listening to Nate Tice on the Athletic Podcast, and he was talking about how they use the same terminology that Kyler's been using since he was in college. And if you're asking a player who, let's be fair, we've heard plenty of negative stuff about his studying ethic to recover from an ACL injury, and learn a whole new scheme and play for a new head coach. That would be quite a lot. And we've also seen, like, over the last year, we've seen J.K. Dobbins need additional surgery after his uh, knee injury. We've seen Robert Woods doesn't look like him's old self. Odell Beckham, it's almost a year since he tore his ACL, and he's only just getting ready to play. So these ACL injuries, I wouldn't want Kyler Murray on a team unless I was in a rebuild mode, and I think you can probably acquire him quite cheap. Um, but... It definitely feels a little sketchy and, you know, just stretching a little bit further afield on the Cardinals again. DeAndre Hopkins got no guaranteed money from next year. We know he's the kind of wide receiver who seems to want to renegotiate his contract often. Marquise Hollywood-Brown needs a contract. He'll be entering his fifth year of his contract. So there's a lot that could change in Arizona and it wouldn't be surprising if a new head coach came in and wanted to change a lot of things. 
I think that look, if, if you're looking at Kyla, you can't expect him to be a starting quarterback for your fantasy team week one next year. I think that we've seen with these injuries, it is a year and you know, we're, what are we, nine months away from the start of next season? I, I'd be gobsmacked if he's starting week one. And I'd also potentially say, what the hell are the Cardinals doing if he is starting week one and you've got, what is it, 200 plus million tied up in him? I think yeah. next year is almost, I wonder if you almost kind of, as a team, write it off and say, right, we're going to get rid of DeAndre Hopkins. We're going to get rid of... I know like DJ Humphreys is tied up on a contract and get rid of some of those larger contracts. Yeah, JJ likes. Yeah, have have a big dead cap hit next year, use it as a rebuilding year and say, right, 2024, Kyler will be 100%. We'll we'll have a year two of our new head coach slash GM, whatever you're going to bring in and, and use it as a, a reset because you've got the quarterback You've got a couple of interesting pieces. You know, you've got Buddha Baker, you've got potentially Hollywood Brown to build around moving forward. But there's not much more than that in terms of building blocks. So no, I think they, that... Sorry, go And they need to get younger a lot of places. I mean, like you look at James Conner, he's been okay, but he's getting older and he's on quite a decent contract. And then their offensive line, they need to really improve that as well. It's like they're, they're more... When things go right, they play to a really good level, but there's some weaknesses there. So I think their defense has actually been pretty good this year at times. It's just not been quite good enough. So, yeah, fully agree with you. They just need to really take a big appraisal of the team. And the best way to do that would be to fire the GM and the head coach and start from fresh. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, if you're from a dynasty perspective, for me, he's definitely taken a hit. I'm valuing him now as if he's not playing next year. So I've got him, he's down at my QB 11 currently. So I've got him below Deshaun Watson, below Dak Prescott, below Trevor Lawrence. He's neck and neck with Tua in terms of where I've got him valued. I think that if you're not looking to compete in 2023, which, you know, I preach about one-year rebuilds. I don't know why at this point you'd be saying you're not competing in 2023. He's probably not a guy that I'm looking to roster. I think that if you have him on your roster, it could be a good time to sell quite quickly. Normally I say wait when a player gets injured because you get the Sharks out trying to kind of get a good deal. But I think people haven't realised he's probably not playing next year yet. And I think as soon as that happens, his price is going to plummet. And I think that at the moment people are still valuing him as an elite quarterback that could potentially come back and play next year. And just, just to add to that, if you can sell him before he has surgery, we saw with Von Miller recently, you know, a lot of the time when they go in and do these surgeries, that's where they find worse stuff in there. You know, it could be additional tears and issues. And if that comes out and then you really do find out that he's out for the entirety of next year, then his value could plummet further. Yeah, and if there's any, you know, as you said, any PCL, LCL injuries as well that was the problem with jk dobbins wasn't it was it wasn't just an acl tear it was everything on top and that's what extends the the longevity of the injury and and the time they're going to be out so um finish up there on the uh, on the significant news we're going to dive across to the the dynasty stock market so some rises and fallers this week tom so i brought you on we had to talk about some jets players so um so yeah for, first up zonovan knight had you know another really good from a production standpoint looked fantastic i thought 
playing ahead of Michael Carter, um, who obviously came back from the ankle injury. James Robinson was a healthy scratch again. Do you now think that Zonovan Knight's potentially got some value, not just for what could be a good stretch run this year, but potentially into to next year as well? I think he's definitely going to have that in the eyes of fantasy managers. I think, you know, we've definitely seen running backs burst onto the scene late in seasons and then fade away. So I'm not quite ready to tie any of my fantasy team going forward to him and count on him. But I think he's definitely somebody that we can, you know, he's shown some really good stuff. Like in the last three games, he's had forced 25 missed tackles, which is just incredible, really. It's over eight a game. He's clearly the best running back in that backfield right now. I think you know he's had 12 first down runs in three games, which is more than James Robinson, Michael Carter and Ty Johnson have combined for in the 15 games that they've all played since 15 games combined since Brees Hall went down. So I'm hesitant to really project too much into the future, but... I do think if you scooped him up off waiver wires, which I know you did a lot of, then there's probably some value to be had in either selling him right now or kind of holding on and seeing what the future has. Yeah, I think look, I'm I'm probably higher on a ban than the most. I think for me to sell, I'd need a second round pick, which I don't think most people are gonna pay. I'd quite happily go out and pay two thirds to acquire him right now. I think he's going to be relevant down the stretch. I think the Jets are going to be, they've got four four games that I think are going to be close. And I think the Jets are going to want to run the ball in all four of those games. And I think he's got some pretty, you know, appealing matchups when you think he's got the Lions and the Seahawks and, and the Jaguars. They're not exactly three scary run defenses at the moment. Um, I think that, you know, we were talking about the ACL with Kyler. I wouldn't be shocked if Brees Hall was eased back in at the beginning of next year, whether that be he's not ready to go week one, whether that be that he is ready to go week one, but they don't want to give him the full load straight away. I think that for me, Knight, he's he's now that kind of, we talk about 1A and 1B backfields. I think he's now the sort of 2A to Brees Hall's one and Michael Carter's 2B. I think that he's going to be, he, he's now proved enough that he's going to have a role over the next 18 months to potentially two years. Yeah. I think, and I think if you're... Sorry, go, go on. on. I think part of that is how poor Michael Carter's been. You know, last year, Michael Carter looked really good at times. Yeah, he didn't have the body type where he was clearly going to be uh, running back one for the future. But he played really well between the tackles and he was a good player. But this year, he's definitely taken a step back in his production and open the door for somebody like Bam to take the job. Yeah, I mean, Michael Carter, I don't know if he's he's rushed back from, from injury and he isn't 100% fit, but Sunday he was he was absolutely shocking. Um, it, it, you know, I can't, I can't speak badly enough. He, Yeah, the, the offensive line is, is, isn't in a great place for the Jets at the moment. We're carrying a lot of injuries, you know. We had another one. George Frank got injured again. I think we're on tackles eight and nine this year. Like it's it's absolutely obscene. But Michael Carter averaged one point eight yards after contact. It's like you know he had five carries for five yards and he fumbled. It's just you know it it's a it was poor 
the idea of Michael Carter was that he was going to be a, a weapon in in the passing game as well, and and the Jets don't seem to trust him there as much anymore. I'm, you know, I I really liked Michael Carter last year, and I think he was going to thought he was going to be a really nice one two punch with Brees Hall, but I'm I'm now concerned about Michael Carter moving forward definitely. Uh, so the the next kind of riser, shall we say? Um, so Justin Herbert, he's not had the fantasy season that we'd hoped. He's not been that truly elite QB one that would be carrying some teams. He's shown flashes. He certainly had some unbelievable throws. But look, on Sunday he was fantastic. He's finally got Keenan Allen back. He had Mike Williams back on on Sunday, and and he, he it feels like. This this is kind of the Justin Herbert that that we know and loved and and hoped would be back. Do you think that we're going to see a stretch of four games here to finish the season of to get us back into Justin Herbert as a top three dynasty QB? I would certainly hope so. I mean, Sunday was the first time all season that he had both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams healthy for an entire game, and it resulted in his high, highest passing yardage of the season with like almost three hundred and seventy yards. So. It's been really unfortunate the injuries they've had this year and, you know, unfortunate things just seem to happen to the Chargers. I do think that his value is probably somewhere in between where it got talked up to be and the lows points. I think, you know, I think it's very difficult for him to compete with any of the dual threat quarterbacks and we've seen that Justin Fields has probably jumped ahead of him in that regards. We've seen you know, Jalen Hurts has probably jumped ahead of him. So I, I'd probably have him, I don't do dynasty rankings myself, but I'd probably be looking at about that sort of quarterback six to seven, eight range myself. Yeah, I think, you know, I've got him, so I've got him QB six. So he's wedged behind Joe Burrow and ahead of Justin Fields in, in a tier with those two and, and Lamar Jackson. So he's in that kind of second tier behind Alan Mahomes and, and Hertz. I think that, I guess the the one hope I've got is that whilst Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are both getting older, I'm hoping that the Chargers are actually going to spend an off-season going, we have got this incredible asset of a guy that can make every throw and has an absolute howitzer for an arm, is a complete freak in terms of his physical ability, but his ability to manipulate and and deduce what's happening pre-snap. Let's build around him and let's go and get out uh, you know, an inventive and creative offensive coordinator because look, the Lombardi offense is is shocking. How how you can have a third and fourth consecutive plays, third and fourth down, they need to get a yard and you call two screens to Keenan Allen. It's like, come on, like this is the 21st century. It's 2022. Like do something a little bit more inventive. Do something a little bit, you know, more interesting than a screen to Keenan Allen when, when the game's on the line. Yep, no disagreements. <laughs> so let's 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 dream of uh, an offensive coordinator coming in. Um, the the final riser, I think he's he's definitely rising, but I think he's he's still that potentially under under the radar riser, shall we say? Um, so that's Donovan People Jones, who very quietly is the wide receiver thirty one on the season, despite the fact he's only scored one touchdown. Um, we saw some some flashes with Jacoby Brissett. I mean, in week one, he had like a 30% target share. The last couple of weeks with the Sean Watson's come back, you know, that offense hasn't quite got back to what it was. But Donovan People Jones has shown that he's commanding a decent target share. When he gets targeted, good things tend to happen. 
is he now a player that we can start to buy into as as an asset to hold long term? I, I will be. I think, you know, and just going back to your point, he's having a better season than Alan Lazard, Jerry Judy, and Deontay Johnson. <laughs> like, you know, when you just had to get we, that Deontay Johnson shot in, didn't you? It hurts me as much. Well, maybe not quite <laughs> as much as you, Rich, but it hurts me too. Um, but the way he's playing feels sticky. He's not just winning the ball in go routes or stuff like that, which is what I think a lot of people thought he was going to be doing before the season started. But because the Browns don't really have anyone outside of Amari Cooper and because David Njoku's been injured for decent chunks of a year, he's had to play in different ways. So, I mean, he said two games under 50 yards in his last 10 games. He's averaged 12.9 PPR points over his last eight games. So he's been really consistent. And when you play in a lot of the same kind of leagues that we do, where you start in like three, four flex players sometimes, that's the kind of player whose value is really high, just being able to plug him in as one of your flex positions every week and count on 12, 13 points, when a lot of the players that we end up plugging in end up getting sort of four or five PPR points because they're a bit sketchy. So I really like him. I think he's somebody who I'll draft a lot of in best ball next year. And I think the Browns are going to have a probably ropey end to the season you know everything seems to have fallen downhill for them now they're out of contention for the playoffs and it's just about building that chemistry with Sean Watson for people's Jones now and uh yeah I'd be confident in him for next year yeah I think you know it's this is a guy that was one of the most highly regarded high school receivers we've had in recent years you know he's a five-star recruit coming out didn't have a good college career and and kind of you know fell to the sixth round and and it took him a little bit of time to get going but he's he's been really impressive and I think that the the good thing is is that he is always gonna have some value as a kind of what the heck kind of guy because he has a decent kind of target profile he's he's not just catching everything short and intermediate you know twenty two percent of his targets this year have been twenty two yards downfield. He, he gets those deep shots, which is which is what's money for fantasy. And, you know, yes, in a PPR league, we can sit there and say, but he's going to get, you know, I, I want someone who's going to get 15 targets and 10 catches, and that's 10 points on the week. But he catches one 40-yard touchdown, and, and, and that's a great week. And, you know, wide receiver 31 on the season, and has caught one touchdown. Like, if, if we're giving him what an average touchdown volume would expect it's around four or five touchdowns depending on what metric you use he's like a top 20 wide receiver and this is a guy that you can probably still go and buy what two thirds maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah like he's so cheap and i just feel like he's he's sneaking up on everyone he's been really productive he's in what we're expecting to be a better offense next year once Deshaun watson kind of gets integrated and you know hasn't played for two years it's going to take him a little bit of time this is a guy that I think if you can go and buy on the cheap, I, I'm confident that his value is only going to increase over the next 12 to 18 months. Definitely. And just the last point, I just I think the Browns next year will be a potent offense and they'll get into plenty of shootouts, which is something that they've not been doing really this year. They've been low scoring, even though with Jacoby Brissett when they were a functioning offense. They weren't, you know, they weren't scoring 30 points a week, but that could be something that we see more of next year. 
Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. So moving on to the, the slightly negative side. So this was, I think he's a fooler, but I really wanted to have a conversation perhaps about this player as as a kind of dynasty topic, shall we say. Um, so it's Mike Evans. He's having an okay year. You know, he's probably going to hit a thousand yards for, I think it's the record ninth year in the trot. That that team, that offense hasn't been what what we'd hoped. I think the offensive line basically falling apart and you know, being traded and given away has has had a massive impact on on everybody. But Mike Evans is now approaching that point where it's kind of like, is it is it already too late to try and get out? Are you not going to get any sort of return on the the price that he is? You know. I, th- I feel like his value is only going down. Yeah, definitely. And he's somebody that I thought I was buying low on a few weeks ago. <laughs> and since it just, you know, it's been pretty ugly. But, like, I think he, he's had, a, you know, he had a 68-yard passing touchdown called back this week for a holding penalty. And I'm fairly sure he had another big, long pass, which was called back for a penalty a couple of weeks ago. It was, like, 40 yards or so. But it just doesn't seem to be happening between him and Tom Brady this season, where that's because of the offensive line is, you know, injured and a lot worse than it was last season. And Brady's not, you know, trusting things to develop downfield or whether it's just gone. But like, yeah, outside of Chris Godwin, it's very difficult to trust anyone in the Tampa offense. And I'm kind of at a point where I think there's a lot of questions around the Buccaneers for next year. I think if cap comes in at 220 million, they're still going to be about $40 million over that. And as much as people like to say, well, the cap isn't real. This is what happens to teams when they go all in and, you know, you put all the void years on, then at some point the bill comes due and you have to pay it. And that's why Tampa haven't been able to improve the offensive line this year. They lost, free agents who went elsewhere because they were getting paid better elsewhere. And even if Brady moves on, you can look at that offense and go, okay, well, there's a lot of good weapons there, but they're probably going to have to make a few more compromises if they want to be a good offense next year. Yeah. And who who's going to be the quarterback? You know, I don't think Tom Brady's going to be hanging around. I think, I think Tom Brady's going to play next year, but I don't think he's going to be in Tampa because I think that he realizes that, Look, the only reason Tom Brady's coming back to play is to win a Super Bowl title. And I don't think that roster is in a position where he can win a title. So I fully expect Tom Brady to move on. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Despite the fact he's a free agent, he's going to cost the Bucks $35 million in cap space next year because of the way they've... You know, you talked about the, the, the cap and yeah, the cap isn't real. You can manipulate it. But this just shows the Piper comes needs to be paid at some point. And they've kicked the can down the road. They've kicked the can down the road to have this three-year competing window. But at the end of that three-year competing window, you almost need to reset and go again. And I think that's what the Bucks are going to do. And I think that that's really going to have a massive impact on particularly Mike Evans' dynasty value. Because as soon as Tom Brady walks out the door, you've said they're 40 million over the cap. They're not going to have an early first-round pick. I don't think they're going to have an appealing roster to go out and get a, you know, a Derek Carr or someone like that who, who could be traded, who's who's got that no trade clause. So who's going to be the starting quarterback? Are we looking at a Blaine Gabbert led Buccaneers team next year? Like, and, like, wh- where's the quarterback coming from? 
And if that's the case, you kind of look at these things and you go, okay, who's receiving production would I trust more next year? Is it Chris Godwin, who primarily plays from the slot? Is he going to have an easier time getting receptions with a new quarterback? Or is it going to be Mike Evans, who sees the high value downfield, on the boundary type of targets? It's just, I have so much more faith in Chris Godwin being fantasy relevant next year than I do Mike Evans being fantasy relevant in the top tier. And like over the last few weeks, I think, you know, I was looking at this earlier and he's finished outside the top 30 wide receivers in each of the last five weeks. Like that's, that's not what we bought into Mike Evans for. Yeah, no, I I think that's a, that's a, a perfect point. And the only thing I would say is that I'm just looking at Mike Evans contract. Now, if, if the bucks were to trade him as a post June 1st designation, They'd save fifteen million in cap space. Now, if Tom Brady's if Tom Brady's walking out the door, we've said we don't know who the the quarterback's going to be. I can't imagine they're wanting to hold on to a guy that Mike Evans, who's coming towards the end of his career, he's probably not in that next phase of the Bucks franchise. Yes, he's a you know a, a franchise cornerstone and probably the be, you know one of the best receivers they've had in, in the history of the franchise. But can you move Mike Evans on to, for? what maybe it's, a, it's an okay contract with where contracts have gone you've got like an 11 million base salary next year i think if you can get a second or third round pick I, I wonder if mike evans is going to be on a new team next year but also i feel like the books would be the type of team where they could be interested in player for player swaps there i know they're less common but like you know if they could be getting younger getting a key you know like an offensive line player like we were mentioning then that'd be the kind of thing that could be very useful for him or do you trade Mike Evans in some way to try and find yourself a quarterback who can bridge the gap for a couple of years? Yeah, and also let's not forget, you know, the Bucks have still got Russell Gage under contract. They've got Chris Godwin under contract. I can't see them potentially willing to pay all three. So yeah, I think if you've got Mike Evans, okay, if you're competing this year, maybe fine. But this this could well be the end of his kind of life as a top 24 dynasty wide receiver i think that the bottom could fall out very quickly and and with these aging wide receiver it it tends to go a lot quicker than we expect and when it happens it happens super fast um so we're going to go across to to the players of the week now tom as as the guest i uh i'll let you go first and uh, and highlight who you want to talk about yeah, well, for me, it's going to be Justin Jefferson. I know we kind of briefly touched on the fact that he was tied with Jerry Judy for points this week, but he now has 22 100-plus yard games in his career. That's 46 games. So, like, you know, that's almost one out of every two games he's going for 100-plus yards. And you know, that's, that's insane value in fantasy to get that kind of consistency. I think... You know, Justin Jefferson this year scored uh, 30-plus PPR points in six games this season, which is the same amount that Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson have combined for. So sometimes when we're in dynasty startups, particularly Superflex, you get that sense that people are petrified to leave the first round with a player who isn't a quarterback. And you can sometimes get really nice values on some of the top wide receivers. But what Justin Jefferson is giving you is just as good value as some of the quarterback scoring that you're getting this year. Yeah, I I think that look, you, we we want to build around young wide receivers. They're out, outside of the quarterback position. They're the guys that hold their value the longest. And 
Yeah, I mean, you've you've pointed out there the the guy is elite. All he does is produce. All he's done is be fantastic since pretty much what week three of his rookie season. Um, like, what what's more to be said? I think he's completely unobtainable in in dynasty leagues if if they're already established. And I think that like, if if you're looking to be a little bit different and not grab a quarterback early in in your draft, I think he's probably the only guy that you can really be be leaving with. So my guy, um, I, I I'm probably conscious. I probably stole him from you because I managed to get access to the show sheet <laughs> you before did. you. So uh, so yeah, I, I wanted to talk about Raven Tom. You're on. Let's 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 dive into J.K. Dobbins. Um, I've been holding out hope for the last six or seven weeks because he has got an incredible playoff schedule. The the Ravens have obviously you know seen a number of injuries. I don't think Gus Edwards is 100. percent We've seen Kenyon Drake flash. I've been holding out hope that J.K. Dobbins is going to come back and he's going to carry me to some titles. And he came back this week and he was fantastic in terms of his production. I think what he did on the field was amazing. I think that hopefully the Ravens are going to lean on him moving forward over the next few weeks, particularly if they've not got Lamar. But he didn't look particularly smooth, Tom. Now no, you are didn't. a Ravens fan. You're watching this far closer than I am. What What do you think about J.K. Dobbins moving forward? Yeah, and it's one of those like you know, I I, I don't think anyone needs to be a doctor or a certified film grinder to watch that big long run where he broke through the Steelers line and went for like forty yards and not know that if this was J.K. Dobbins in his rookie year, pre-knee injury, he would have taken out one to the house, but instead he ends up going out near the five-yard line. And when you watch that run, it just felt like he wasn't really trusting his legs. It feels like the Ravens are really trying to help him gain his confidence back. You go back to when he returned to the Ravens uh, earlier this year, I think it was week four or five or so, he got the first touch and the first carry in that game, like literally first play straight to him. And that was the same this week. He goes out on the field when some people thought he might not even play too much this week, gets the first carry. And, you know, he ran 15 times for 120 yards and a touchdown. And I do think that's, you know, that's the second biggest rushing total of his career. So it's not like we can automatically start charting up 120 yards games every week but what we've got with the Ravens is this offensive line is really good the weekend Kevin Zeitler was out who's probably going to the pro bowl at right guard Ronnie Stanley returned who's missed a few games and in the games with Ronnie Stanley at left tackle the Ravens have averaged 5.24 yards per carry from their running backs without him they've averaged 3.66 so the combination of Stanley and Dobbins, I do think is going to be really impressive, particularly against Cleveland and Atlanta over the next couple of weeks where they're bad run defences. And even if Dobbins isn't racking up the yardage, I would expect that he can get several touchdowns, which should carry teams a little bit more in the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing, I don't know if this is, I've not watched the Ravens game yet, so I can't can't speak to it. He didn't run a single route on Sunday. Is that something that they were particularly trying to manage him or is that a concern moving forward? I think that was probably part of managing him and part of the fact that, you know, saw Tyler Huntley go down in that game and so he was he was injured um, and they were kind of having to work things up on, work things out on the fly. 
But, you know, he hasn't run a route since week four. You know, he played in week five and six, but didn't play, you know, he played 40% of snaps and then 27% of snaps, and he didn't run a route in either of them. So perhaps that is something that they're looking to do. But I don't really think Kenyon Drake is going to see a lot of consistent work. So at some point, if Gus Edwards isn't running routes, we know that's not particularly his bag, and J.K. Dobbins isn't being used there, then Gus Edwards is going to have to start, uh, sorry, Kenyon Drake's going to have to start playing more and that. I'm skeptical of that. I think things will probably change more if Lamar's back, not this week, but the week after. Yeah, I mean, it was a weird week for the Ravens. Only There was only six routes run by a running back, and that was all Kenyon Drake. <laughs> Gus Edwards didn't run a route, and neither did Justice Hill. So, yeah, not 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 what you'd normally expect from uh, an NFL offense at the moment. Um so the the final section, Tom, we're gonna we're gonna dive into the mailbag. Now we've got one question, particularly for you, uh, from Gary, uh, who's ga- at Gary Acco. Uh, so he says, as you're the stack king, do you have any cheap buy low stack options that you particularly like looking forward to next year? Yeah, well, we touched on one of them already today, Donovan Peoples Jones, and another one who's in a very similar situation would be Zay Jones. And you look at them; they both had fantastic production. They both tied to the con tracks for probably at least next year and the players who if you've got Trevor Lawrence or if you've got Deshaun Watson, the value of adding that stack and tying that production together it's incredibly cheap to go out and get them, I think you'd probably be able to pick up both players for a pair of thirds because people just people aren't quite ready to value them as a second but they're not quite ready to you know, give up on them either so I think those kind of wide receiver twos fringe wide receiver threes are players that we can really bolster stacks with. And I think they're people that, you know, they're more valuable to you as the Trevor Lawrence or the Sean Watson owner than they are to somebody else. Yeah. I love that. Love that. So just finish off, Tom. Um, thank you ever so much for joining us. It's uh, yeah. Been amazing for you. If you're stepping in um, for Liam, where remind the people where, where can they find you? Uh, where can they find your work? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at NFL underscore T-Strack. Uh, do two articles a week for Football Outsiders. is a fantasy roundup every Tuesday, which covers every team from the week before and dives into stats, facts, and kind of storylines with them. Thursday, DFS column that's out. And then Friday, Fantasy Pros, week, weekend waiver wire stash, looking ahead of the waiver wire. And, uh, yeah, normally posting far too much on Twitter. No, fantastic. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, yeah, it's always good to have you on. But uh, keep up the good work, because yeah, I, I can't get my head around how you can produce the volume of content that you do <laughs> week in, week out, as well as be as active on Twitter as you are. So uh, if you're not following Tom, go and give him a follow because he is a great follow. Liam and I will be back next week. Um, best of luck in your playoff matchups, and uh, we'll see you same time next week. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. 
Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.